HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. I'm Chris Guzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fumetabari. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live, late but live, on Tuesday, the Heritage Radio Network and Roberta's Pizzeria. And where is it? Where is Roberta's Pizzeria? Where? I think it's Midtown, New York City, right? <laughs> wow. If only. It sounds like Bushwick. It's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined, as usual, Nastasha, the Hammer Lopez, fresh in from Chicago. How was it? Good. Oh, you got to give me tips. I'm going to Chicago in a few weeks. All right, right, all right. Jack in the engineering booth. Just a reminder there. I'm sure, sure. she ate well. Oh, did you eat well? No. Because you were with your sister mm-hmm. and you were avoiding any food style people. Yeah. 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 Last time I was eating out in Chicago, uh, two times ago, I saw a, a, a real dillweed in a uh, in a Lamborghini who didn't know how to drive it, and he was grinding his gears while he was trying to parallel park in front of a Vec. No oh, man. Weak. Don't buy a Lamborghini if you can't drive it. Oh, you know what? This weekend she's going to Lollapalooza, which is in Chicago every year. And they have competing, not competing, but they have bands playing at the same time. So Paul McCartney's the headliner. And they have somebody playing at the same time as him. Which I'm like, why would you do that? Then they have Sam Smith playing at the same time as Metallica. And she's like, I'm going to see Sam Smith. Whoa. Well, yeah, speaking of Metallica, here, would be by the way, so he can chime in. Obviously, did I already oh, say yeah. Jackson, no, the engineering booth? Yeah, we got Paul, Paul Adams, the, the, uh, he, he's the overlord of popular science's uh, web presence. Is that true? No. Not? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Or Overlord is not the right title? Baron. Baron? You gotta, is Baron, is, what's higher? Baron's higher than Earl, right? I don't know. Duke is highest. I've forgotten. He goes Duke, then King. I'm pretty sure. Well, Duke, Prince, King. Anyway, uh, wait, what are you talking about? Metallica. Wouldn't you uh, see Metallica over Sam Smith? Dude, uh, Metallica, they hate their fans, right? I don't know. I mean, they're like, they're, they're, aren't they the anti-piracy? Like the, yes. uh, oh, yeah. We're, 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 so, we're so rebel, but don't download our songs. Yeah. Plus, I saw, speaking of D-bags and cars, I saw like a 30-year-old backward baseball cap, like khaki short-wearing dude 
blasting Metallica out of his Ferrari, his brand new Ferrari, mm-hmm. in Connecticut. And uh, he didn't turn the radio down when he's pumping gas. Jeez. What do you guys think about that? It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. I mean, I'm okay with Metallica, right? But I'm saying, like, what if he's, like, next to someone that hates that stuff? Try this leaf. Tell what? us what it is. Oh, uh, what? We don't know. It's in the salad. How am I going to know? I hate it, it. Paul likes it. I like of course, it Paul. Paul also likes surstroming. I know. So what is it? Well, this is me chewing people's. Oh, yeah, I know that flavor. Well, that's, um, it's, it's not, but it's very similar to... Um, this Mexican uh, herb, like papalo, almost. Yeah, I think it is papalo. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna look at the menu in a minute. Uh, it's very. There's a couple of herbs from Mexico and a couple of other ones that have that distinct taste. It tastes a little bit not like a. It tastes like part. It's got a burnt transformer taste yes. to it. Yes. Like yeah. a phenolic kind of note, and so I always it hits me in my head. I think it's, I think it's papalo, but there's also. Uh, uh, Ohasanza tastes a little bit like that, but with more of a saffron kind of a note. But uh, anyway, that's what I think it is. Uh, Calling your it's question, Popolo. I just grabbed the menu. Oh, what's up? What's up with the we're dropping knowledge? Yeah, right. nice job. That's why you keep me here on the show. That's right. I yeah. also have a caller on the line. Okay, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Dave. This is Patrick calling from Brooklyn. How are you? Doing all right. So I got two questions. First question is really quick: is that I'm reading your old post about foraging in the Penobscot Bay, and you mentioned Yule Gibbon and a book specifically about that. I have Stalking the Blue-Eyed Scallop, and I was wondering, are you referring to another one besides that, or is that the one? Yeah, no. uh, Somewhere I have the scans. Stalking the Blue-Eyed Scallop is an obvious classic, uh, which I I think that one came after Stalking. No, it was Scallop first and then Asparagus. Those are his two classic works, right? I think Asparagus. Asparagus is first. Classic, classic stuff. Um, no, in fact, Yule Gibbons, for those of you that don't know, like you know how there's a foraging movement going on now, people? Everyone aware of this? Yes. Yes. Uh, Yule Gibbons was kind of doing that before anyone uh, kind of like thought it was cool. He was he was kind of, you know, the man at the time. I think some like, you know, like uh, real crunchy folks maybe kind of started making fun of him because towards the end of his life, he started doing uh, pitches for grape nut cereal. So you can find him doing old grape nut cereal ads. He was also in The King and I, right? No, no that, that was Yule Brenner. Yule Brenner. You know, so, so here's how you tell the difference. Like the one is many parts of a pine tree are edible, Yule Gibbons, and no, I will not let your people go. Yule uh, Brenner. That's how you tell Got them. It. But they both died of cancer, interestingly. Hmm. Or not? Except the Yules. Well, yeah, both. Yeah, Yule. Unlucky name. Uh, so, anywho, um, it turned out he did some. You know, you're familiar with the Outward Bound program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Outward Bound is, I guess, it's kind of like a Boy Scouty kind of a thing where they take a bunch of kids and they threw them on these islands. So, up in the Penobscot Bay, up near uh, up near Deer Island, there, uh, they would just take kids like like grains of sand or marbles and throw them out onto these islands. And let them fend for themselves for a couple of days. And, and Yule Gibbons actually wrote the foraging manual for the Outward Bound uh, thing in Maine. And uh, I had uh, – I, I never owned a physical copy of it, but I photographed it. Maybe I could try to put it not – you know, back then it was like, you know, I, I was using my four-megapixel digital camera. Uh, but, you know, I could try to find it and put them up if you're interested. Um, you know, it's uh, – he has some lines in there, actually, that I'd like to quote. Like, he, uh, he talks about foraging wild strawberries. You ever guys ever forage wild strawberries? Yeah. Well, yeah. They're tiny, you know what I'm saying? And they're delicious. Uh, they're, t- they're delicious, but they're tiny. You can't get enough. And Yule Gibbons says, 
in there. He's like, uh, God certainly could have made a better tasting berry, but he certainly never did. But I disagree. I think I find other berries more delicious because to me, berries become more delicious in mass quantities. Like what you want is a f- like a face full of berry in order to get the maximum berry kind of uh, effect. But anywho, in this in this little pamphlet, Yule Gibbons talks about like uh, you know picking wild rocket and like sandfear and uh, uh, mussels. Interesting, brings up the point that you get sick of mussels really quickly. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever eaten enough mussels to get sick of them really quickly? Not really. No. Yeah. Usually one serving. Well, yeah. So, like, if you're if you're on a beach, and literally there are beaches up there that are like constructed of mussels on rock. You know what I mean? It's just like muscle on rock. Like, so it's either you cut your feet with them or you rip them up and eat them. Those are the only two choices. And uh, yeah, you get sick of those suckers fast, especially mm-hmm. if you don't have anything to put on them but wild uh, rocket. Although the rocket is delicious. Anyway, but uh, did that answer your question, or did you have a specific question about the Yule Gibbons? Well, no, that I think I'll track it down. I'm going to be on Vinyl Haven, and it might happen in a library or something. But near enough that it seems to apply to. Uh, I mean, that's in the in the same bay, so I assume that yeah, it's it applies. A, so if you're looking for it, it's uh, it's pamphlet size. It's um, it's non-standard. It looks like uh, it looks like it's it's folded and stapled. Uh, you know, like um, what do they call like oak tag, like car- not cardboard. You know what I mean? That like thick paper back. And it's folded and cut so it's longer. You know what's very similar? To, are you familiar with the um, – what's her name? Mary Thielgard books like uh, 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 Tree Finder, Fern Finder, Track Finder? No, no. Yeah. I'm starting with Yule Gibbons. So yeah, yeah. Well, these ones – she's not a forager. She just is like a tree and, and other kind of ID, which they're awesome little books because they fit in your pocket. But it's kind of that scale, so it's kind of longer than it is. It's like – it looks almost like – like a reporter's notebook, but sideways. It's like longer than his wife when you're looking for it. But I'll try to post some uh, some pictures of it. You had a cool. You, cool. You had I'll, an, I'll, I'll look for both. Then. All right, cool. You had a uh, so another question. Second question is kind of open ended, but curious to get your thoughts. I'm trying to buy uh, a stove, whether it's a range, just just the, the a range shop or an entire uh, range with oven for a house upstate, and I'm immediately getting into the weeds of all sorts of conflicting information about varying products and just curious your thoughts about what what you actually need to buy to cook it cook at home and all i really want is is fire firepower and reliability um and i don't really care about any anything else as long as it's not hideous but it doesn't seem to be that there's that many products designed for people who just want to cook and have output that aren't just commercial ranges that will that i don't have the option of doing because it would violate my insurance policy right Right. Are you? Um, are you? Do you, is it propane, gas, electric? What? It'll be propane. Propane. And uh, do you have reliable electric where you are? or Are you one of those districts that goes out every two seconds? And if you do, do you have a generator? I think it's re- it's supposed to be reliable, and I have I have uh, two hundred amp service. Okay. And uh, are you going to get the big old propane tank, or are you going to use one of those Weasley one hundreds? One of the big ones. Whatever the whatever oh. it needs. Because right. also. Gonna, it's going to run the water heating system. There's going to be a lot of propane available. Oh, uh, okay. So you can kind of go ape on it because, like, I have propane uh, in you know in uh, my place, but I like always get nervous about using it because if it runs out. So I, I've I never use my stove. I exclusively use Tandor, <laughs> like the a griddle and like my oven. Those are the three th- cooking things I use up there. But I would go I would go if you have propane to like well to burn. Uh, I would, I would, uh, but you can't get commercial, huh? I don't know who's got the good high output uh, residential uh, burners because they're all just so weeny compared to um, compared to a real 
Well, do you think so? Some there's some some products that there's most of them don't have open burners, but there's some a couple ones now that offer open burners and are allegedly high, much higher output. My other issue is that the the house has ceilings that are actually fairly low, so I'm just wondering at a certain point that I'm going to risk burning off the ceiling uh, with a. Uh, it, I think they're about eight foot ceiling. So. Are you going to go? Are, do you, you have you have outdoor space here? Yeah, obviously, because you have a big propane tank. I mean, like, of outdoor space. Yeah. What, what I what I maybe might do in this scenario is I would first of all on your oven I'd go electric just because they're they're kind of more accurate and if you ever want to do any baking and stuff you know and then you know and then if you have half gas half electric let's say you're going to then at least you always know you have one um, but the the I would go electric on the oven and um, for the stove. Yeah, I mean, I just get kind of either the most powerful thing you can or consider going induction because especially if you're going to be doing like uh, like in the summertime, uh, like any heating on that stove, uh, I'd be doing that because like honestly, most of the time in the summer, you're going to be outdoors rocking the high heat. You know, that's what I that's what I'm that's what I find myself doing almost constantly. And you can go totally ballistic on the propane outside. If you're going propane, I'm all charcoal outside just because, you know, whatever I am. But it's not because I'm opposed to propane, especially if you were to put like a – actually, it's not true. My deep fryer is outside, and that's totally fired on propane. But you can plumb the propane over to like an outdoor kitchen area, and then you can just go crazy. Like you could do a fire pit with a propane start. You could do like a giant grill on propane. Um, you can even, if you wanted. I like everyone knows I'm pro tandoor. Although the time you came, Paul, we didn't use the tandoor. Next time we used the deep fryer, though. Yep. Yeah. That Is was it, good. Yeah. Is this helpful at all? Yeah. It, it seems like so. There's not. It sort of. It just seems like there's no good guidance for out there for for cooks. There's all these like the ranges out there are designed for, for looks and for people that don't actually use them. Yeah, that's so why I hate them. That's why I like I just void warranties and get go go pro. But um, induction I mean, is that is that an option or is that stupid? Because you know if other people are renting out this house, I don't want them to burn the house down. Oh no! If people are going to rent it, oh no, 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 no! You need to get boneheaded simple. Ah, you didn't. Say, I didn't realize other people were renting it. Get a boneheaded simple. Get a boneheaded simple propane fire. Don't go induction. Someone will break it. They'll put the wrong thing on. They'll complain. They'll smash the the pans down onto the glass lid of the induction and crack. It. Propane is bulletproof. It's just most of them suck. But don't buy like buy one that's you know obviously get like a the, the highest uh, end uh, home one that you can get like uh, you know whatever Viking or uh, I think uh, Vulcan Wolf also makes a fairly decent one. Viking makes a decent one, and then just make sure that they convert it right to the. Um, uh, you know, to put the right orifices and the right uh, bezos in to to run the. And, and is, is BTU really? Is it a good measure of the output, or do you just really have to? Is that is it vary from stove to stove? I mean, what? I mean, it does vary. It does vary a little bit in terms of like there are burners that don't have the ability to use their full BTU output properly because they spray the heat around the pan, but. Um, you know, most like op- like most burner technologies are fairly fairly similar in their vast inefficiency. Um, the you know the things that I would look for are the ability to turn down uh, the um, turn it down low because uh, a lot of burners don't have the ability to go both high and low because they sputter out. And also like a good flame pattern, like a standard home burner with that like you know with that little burner that's only like the size of. Uh, like it's like smaller around than a tennis ball. Like that's like hotspot city. You know what I mean? Like I hate those things. Um, yeah. But but also um, 
Do not – and here's another reason not to go professional. A good reason to go electric, you don't have to worry about gas pilots. If you have an electric stove – like gas things are usually bulletproofs, but if you're up – sorry, not stove, oven. If your oven is electric, then you don't ever have to worry about the pilot having a problem in your electric oven. Electric yeah. oven's pretty bulletproof uh, on that. The, for the for the top, I think the gas is very bulletproof, but don't get something with a standing pilot because then you have a problem if your pilot goes out and you're not there and somebody's renting it. Just get you know one of the ones with the click 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 that can't be left on. Uh, you know that have all the safety features and that because like you know some other knucklehead. You know it's, every year I'm more and more astounded by uh, how dumb other people can be, especially with your stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, there's some Keith Barnum analog I got for, for, for cooking here that we're, we're, we're searching for. Yeah, and also, uh, like, if you're going to do an outdoor thing, like, don't go don't go something super bananarama unless you can, like, lock it down and prevent someone else from well, going super I think, I think the outdoor, you know, that's what you keep talking about all this stuff, and I think, like, curious as you, as you go forward with outdoor stuff. Because some of that, that's longer term, but, you know, doing, you know, stuff with wood or charcoal outside and crazy stuff. You know, it's going to take longer than selecting a stove. I'm really interested in doing all that. Want to sort of off limit, you know, beyond like the kettle grill or something if anyone's renting it. Yeah, yeah, and it's the yeah, it's a hard thing is as as I'm finding out, as anyone will, is that if you're only doing it like two days a week, you know, three weeks uh, out of a out of a month, it's hard to get any anything like an outdoor kitchen built. But we're working on it. We'll let you know what happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious because I think you know, like I said, that's. That's the reason of us, you know, cooking cooking outside of state as opposed to in a 90-square-foot kitchen in the city. Bingo. Bingo. All right, well, thanks for calling in. Hey, Jack. Right, should, Jack, do we have another call or should we take a break? Sorry about that. Yeah, we can take a break. Oh, take a break. We'll be right, right. back with Cooking Issues. from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. We are back, Jack. But I can't come back without Jackie Molecules. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I got nothing for you. I do have a caller. All right. All right, caller. You are on the air. Darragon calling. Hey, John. This is John Darragon. Everyone, everyone should Hello. be familiar with John Darragon. Hi, John. Hmm. Hello. Uh, I have a question about Tom Collins's. So I've uh, been drinking a lot of them. I love them. But unfortunately, my house upstate, they want to charge about a buck a piece for a lemon, so it gets very expensive yeah, to why me. Is that, Tom Collins is for I, I'm, a group. I'm curious about why, why is that the case? It's true. Why is it that citrus fruit is reasonably priced here in New York, and as soon as you leave, it's a freaking nightmare? Why is that? No idea. I'm bringing a ton of it up with me, but even then, it's uh, getting a little tiresome schlepping around bags of lemons. So my question is, can we approximate lemon with some acid mix um, that I could use in the case when I run out of lemons. No. 
<laughs> uh, but no, okay. Well, here's the thing. Look, you could you could do like a, a like a a little bit. I mean, uh, lemon juice for acidity is really just uh, like a six percent, roughly six percent citric acid solution. So it, it's pretty easy. But um, I mean, what I would do instead is, I mean, I would t- taste it. But you could uh, you could citrusize orange. It would be a slightly different flavor. But you could just uh, citrusize orange. So you would add 50, uh, 52 grams of citric acid to a liter of OJ, and that'll get you a lemon strength OJ. And then it'll have an orangey taste, but it won't have the lime taste because you're not adding malic. It'll be like on the lemon side right. of, of an orange. And you could do that, and that would be fresh. Or alternatively, when back here in the city, you can just take your lemon juice – uh, and boil it with sugar and do a lemon cordial, and it won't taste right. like fresh, but it'll it'll uh, last you know forever. Uh, let me see what are the other alternatives. The thing is with acid is it just things taste like they've been made with acid if they don't have fruit to back it up, and I don't know that just squeezing a, a wedge of lemon in will work. But um, you know, the, are, do you do it with the with the freaking little bar spoon of sugar, or do you do it with like a, a old Tom gin? Like, how do you handle the sweet? Do you use simple like a human? I do old Tom and simple. Yeah, all right. yeah. You know, like all the. Do you like those old school ones where people put like actual like granulated sugar into those things? It seems like a freaking nightmare to me. No, because even if they shake it a lot, you still that last two sips, you're basically getting a mouthful of sugar. Yeah, and like, but they're supposed to be poorly carbonated, right? That's how it works. Like it's supposed to suck. I mean, I mean you know, suck yeah. you know, from a carbonation standpoint. I mean, I I try to use a super heavily carbonated vintage seltzer uh, unless I carbonate myself. But the other option, I thought if we did the acid, we could actually maybe do a carbonated one. But as you said, it would just end up tasting like an acid fizz at this point. Well, you know, you look, that you could do. You could just do like a like – a, but you're not using very much of the acid and then you're squeezing in like a little bit of lemon at the end, like just a wedge. That you could do. That you right. might be able to get away with because a carbonated drink typically has less acid in it than um, – you know, then if you were to, because uh, what's it got in it? What's it? Tom Collins has got a full half ounce of uh, lemon, right? Yeah, I usually do like two, three quarter half. Yeah, oh, so even more. So well, like, yeah, but they, well, the point being that in a carbonated drink, it would have a lot less, and so the less there is there, the more you can augment with the wedge of lemon and and uh, and have right. it have it be done. But try the cordial. Try yeah, it, I'll try, try that because I, I could pick up a case of lemons pretty cheap here in the city. Yeah, although will someone please explain to me why that's the case? Why citrus is so expensive uh, up in the suburbs? Makes no damn sense, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'll ask the produce guy next time I'm up there. I think it's because you can't win. I think like like houses are cheaper there, but produce is more expensive, and you're not allowed to win. That makes yeah. sense. Like if you can afford to live in the city, then you're allowed to have cheap vegetables. Does that make any damn sense? You're gonna grow lemons, right, Dave? Oh well, yuzu probably. Cal- I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do uh, rank per limes once they're back. Uh, the place I wanted to get them is not available. Now. I have to learn how to do it. Everything takes years. You know this? Yep. Uh, rank per limes, yuzu, and uh, calamondins are the three that I want to do because hmm. I like them. What do you do with calamondins? You make drinks. You know, like they, they think it's the same as calamansis, right? Or are they slightly different? Maybe they're slightly different. I don't know. I don't know the difference. I can't find it. Like what Nastasi and I were using in Tokyo, the sudachis. If I could find a tree for that, that would be the balls. Yeah, sudachi is great. Sudachi is delicious, but it's so expensive. Stas, remember when we were using those things and they were like, how, when they told us how much they cost, we were both yeah. like, oh! They were like, because they're the size of, they're smaller than ping, well, they're ping pong ball size, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like two bucks a piece or something like this. Mm-hmm. Crazy. 
crazy. Yep. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll try to cordial and I'll uh, report back. All right, cordial face. Let us know what happens. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. John Derrigan. Dave, this is for you. Oh, Paul brought Paul brought some stuff, which he because he said, "What are we going to? What are we going to test? What are we going to do?" I missed your birthday. Oh, so do, I got you. Do we have a microwave here? What I have in my hands, people, and is this going to be the new cooking issues Vegetti? Do you know that Vegetti has never paid us a dime? Do you know that fat? You know fabulous, or his real name is Fabian von Housky and Jeremiah Stone of uh, Contra and um, Wild Air, you know, their restaurants down there. Do you know that they had a Wall Street Journal article where they used a freaking Vegetti? Did you see that? They went all Vegetti. Wall Street Vegetti. I think the, the Vegetti is like the huge, huge thing, you know? Wow. I think Was we're just, a video? I think we're just riding. The, uh, there's not a video, I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, I feel that, like, uh, because of your buddy Claire there, we're, we were riding the Vegetti. The, well, I don't know where before. I think we were riding the wave. I think you hit it right. You know, if you go too early when you're surfing, you don't go anywhere. If you go too late, you don't go anywhere. you got to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Here what, we go on the Eggmaster wave. What we have here, apparently, I looked this up after you mentioned it. Uh, one of the famous uh, late-night comedians, maybe it was Colbert or something, uh, made fun of this a year ago, but I don't know if he ever used it. This is the Roly, the Roly vertical cooking system for eggs. Now, everyone here knows I'm a fan of vertical grilling when it comes to the Tandoor oven. Yep. But we have yet to see whether I'm a fan of... It's called Simply Perfect Eggs, www.tryroly.com. Oh, we have eggs here, but do we have a microwave? Does it require... It plugs in. It It plugs in. We can do it live? Oh, my God. It has its own heat source? Okay, so, people, as I unbox this, as I unbox this... Which is, by the way, the reason I, I, I own this is because uh, Paul brought some drones up to uh, my... Do you see that kid in Connecticut who, who hooked a gun up to his drone? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he, he lost his drone uh, at my place, and I found it uh, the other day. Is there a good culinary use for drones? Mm, Mythbusters use one to slice a chicken. What? With the rotor to prove that it can cut flesh. You'd need to be very good at your drone control to actually productively slice up a chicken to eat it. A cooked chicken. Or no, a, a raw chicken. A raw chicken with a drone. Yeah. But why? And it, it maintained its altitude while it was slicing the chicken? I think it was just a disembodied drone rotor. Our uh, drone rotor is powerful enough to cut flesh. Yes. Uh, that's cheating, though. I want to see the rotor fly and, like, decapitate. I don't want to see it decapitate, but, like, in a movie style, you would want to see it decapitate people like uh, Oddjob style. Remember Oddjob? Okay. Yeah. I'm holding – it looks like an overgrown coffee thermos with a tube. Let me see whether it smells foul. It's relatively neutral now. Has this ever been egged? Is this, uh, is this never been kissed? Brand new. Brand new. All right. Do, do you know the instructions on this? Yeah. All right, Nastasia's reading the instructions. Paul. There's an outlet behind you. All right, hold on a sec. Crack open one to two large eggs directly into the cooking chamber. After I plug it in, or do I... Um, no, plug it in. Plug it in. All right. Plug it in first. Yep. All right. And does it somehow know that I've... That I've, that I've you have uh, to turn the... Uh, red light will indicate power is on. Okay. Green light turns on for the very first time. The rolly is ready for use. Did you just have uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin go through your head when you said it for the very first time? Does it want butter? Mm-hmm. I brought a pad of butter. Everything wants yeah, butter. It wants a non-stick stick oil spray. No, it doesn't. I it brought says a pad of butter. <laughs> it says not to use butter? 
This is no. It doesn't say don't use butter, but I'm sure this is butter. bitter bolete infused butter. Oh, we're gonna ruin. Okay, so Paul found these uh, these uh, boletes. Now, as far as I know, most boletes are non poisonous. They're safe to eat. But he took it to right. a mycologist expert. No, I looked on the internet. Oh Jesus! And it says if you have something that looks just like a porcini, take a small bite. If it's vilely bitter, it's probably not a porcini. It's probably Tilopolis felius, the bitter bolete, and that's what we had. The Bitter Bolete. That sounds like a really good band. Jack, would you be in a band called Bitter Bolete? Uh, maybe I'd produce for them. What about Boletus Edulis? I like that. Yeah, Porcini. That's good. But the, uh, isn't that Porcini, Boletus no. Edulis? Anyway, point being, oh, it's stinking up good. Smell this. It smells like uh, like an RV. Mm. Or, you know, or like a Mexican herb. Mm. No. Oh, man. It's got that... It's got that... Uh, you know, you know when you like uh, get like a bunch of vinyl crap and you're about to blow it up for the first time. You've never purchased anything vinyl like a beach ball. Oh yeah, oh, it, blow it, it up as in inflate it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what it smells like. Kind of here, Stas. Put give a whiff here. Yep. Yep. Well, we're waiting for Rolly to heat up. Maybe we should answer a question, Paul. Maybe you can weigh in on some stuff. What do you think? Well, so wait. Tell us about awesome. the bitter bolete butter. You liked it. How long ago did you eat it? It's great. I ate it. Yesterday and the day before, and it's just the aroma, right? So there's no, there's no, even if it, even if you misdiagnosed it, there's no possibility of right. I didn't let the bolet come in contact with the butter, but I kept them in a jar together, so the butter picked up the delicious porcini esque aroma of the bitter bolet. Are any of the deadly poisonous mushrooms? Do any of them have a good flavor? I mean, aroma rather. Green I lights believe on. they do. Green lights on. Erica oh, says yes in here. Really? Yeah. 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 So here, like, we, you can make Amanita. Uh, here, let's do it. Let's do it, because they're going to kick us off soon. <laughs> right. Oh, don't don't eat the ones that stain blue when you touch it, she says. Mm, stain, stain blue. Mm. Now now it smells like a mix of vinyl and bolete. You should swirl that around. Is that what it says to do? Well, I mean, you don't have nonstick oil spray. Well, isn't this fundamentally the same as nonstick oil spray? Oh, wait, do, oh, oh yep. okay. Oh, now do, what? Do two. Chopstick it? Uh, you can use the pack. Uh, do too. Hurry, hurry. It's cooking. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. Did you see that? Did you hear yeah. the gabloop? Hold a second. Use the packer. Use the, use the packer. There we go. Okay, to no, take it out now. All right. Now it says wait six to eight minutes. Six to eight minutes? That's the whole show. All right, I'm going to put it down. Paul, tell me when it starts working on something. I'm going to get these, uh, I'm going to get these questions up. We'll hit one on it them. It says we're fully cooked eggs, so maybe we take it out at four. I don't think you take it out. I think it takes itself oh, out. it rises. It rises okay. from the mist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Downloading the, uh, downloading the, uh, the, the questions. Well, well, you brought something else to taste as well, no? Yes. I also brought some gelato. Mmm. But this is, you said this, you want to tell people what this is? No, I don't. Oh, oh, no, really? But they can't see taste it. Taste it, and then you tell them. All right. I'm not, well, you told me, so I'm going to have Nastasia taste it. It's not ants or fermented it's fish. It's quite delicious. Of course, you find Sir Stroming delicious. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. It's almost as delicious as Sir Stroming. That is good. I don't think she'll guess. I wouldn't have guessed. No, All right, Stas? It's really vanilla-y. You're really vanilla-y. What is it? Mushroom. Oh, wow. Candy cap mushrooms. I've never actually had the candy cast before. Really Lactarius rubidus, I believe. All right, so we're waiting. We're waiting in the last couple of minutes for our eggs to rise. Ron writes in, 
Hi, Dave, Hammer, and the booth. And Paul, I guess, too. Didn't know you were here. Um, I recently cured Lardo that is now hanging in the walk-in. It was just now that I realized that I accidentally used Instacure number one instead of Instacure number two. What happened to my Lardo? Is it safe to eat? Is there a way to recover? Thanks, Ron. Well, uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, uh, I don't really think nitrates – so what you do – they wanted you to use a nitrate, a nitrate, a longer-lasting nitrate like you would use on a country ham uh, for the lardo instead of the shorter-acting nitrite that you would use on something like a bacon or a sausage. But the fact of the matter is that, uh, you know, you're curing the fat there anyway. Like all you got to worry about is like a little bit of meat that's going to be on the outside if you don't trim it. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. You know, uh, I looked up and I couldn't find a single case of uh, botulism uh, in um, – in lardo, not a single one. I couldn't find it. Uh, and in fact, um, I think some people cure – I mean I know people cure hams just with salt and it goes through the, the fat and it's fine. Uh, and so I think uh, especially on a, on a whole muscle or a whole fat <laughs> – it's not really whole muscle, right? Because there's no muscle in it. Whole fat? Right. Unrendered fat? Um, thing like that, I think you're going to be fine. Um, I mean listen, as my, as my son Booker says – if I die, it's your fault. If we're dead, it's your fault. I'm like, I can take that. I can do that. But, I, you know, don't, don't blame me if you're dead. But my feeling is, is that I feel fine eating it. What do you think? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Insecure number two breaks down into insecure number one. Right. The only, qu- the only problem would be is if you were to not have it there long enough. You know what I'm saying? Because it breaks down so fast that by the time it penetrates to the middle of your product, it's not there anymore. Yeah. But there's no botulism in there because it's a whole muscle cut. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and there's no meat there anyway. Whatever. Um, hi, Dave, Nastasia, and Jack. This is Chris from the Bay Area in California. I made it to Booker and Dax last time I was in New York and it was a highlight of the trip. Very nice. Thank you. I recently discovered the show. I've been enjoying it every week. Thanks for making the time to share what you have learned. I'm a home cook and I like to batch my lunches each weekend. I can generally invest a bit more time on the batch and then eat better than average food for the rest of the week. I'm having a problem with this strategy, though, when using lean meats like pork loin and chicken breasts. First rule, don't use those meats. You be you wouldn't have a problem with pork loin if you didn't use it. You know what I'm saying, Paul? That's true. Stas, what do you think? Uh-huh. Meat. Did you ever order that stuff when you're out the pork loin? Mm-mm. Never. It's always overcooked and dry, mm-hmm. right? Terrible. Always. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not saying I'm not saying it can't be good because it can be good. I'm just saying it's mostly like mostly it has issues. Anyway, how are we looking on those eggs? They're they're coming up. They'll be done in like they'll be done in time. They'll be good. Everything's going to come together. Everything's going to be perfect. Okay. Everything is awesome. Okay. Uh, I can usually get them pretty tasty. Oh, here. After cooking them, I I let them come to room temperature. Uh, Oh, here. I typically brine them with salt, which you need to because they're dry, Uh, and then season and grill or broil them. After cooking, I let them come to room temp for 30 to 45 minutes, and then I refrigerate. I can usually get them pretty tasty the night of cooking and sometimes the next day, but by Friday, the cold-slash-warmed-over-slash-leftover flavors are nauseating. Uh, do you have any advice for preparing or holding lean meat uh, for five days at a time? Yes. Uh, vac it. Like what you're – the oxygen is uh, – oxygen. Uh, oh, I've read that off flavors have something to do with fat oxidation. Occasionally it seems like a starch thickened sauce uh, coat does help. I found experimentally that fattier cuts such as chicken thighs don't seem to have as much of a problem, but it seems contrary to the fat oxidation thesis. I know what you mean, but it is true. It does seem contrary, but I know what you mean. You know what I mean? You know what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's because there's no other flavors there to back it up, so the fat uh, – anyway, whatever. Um, 
I do like fattier cuts, but also cook a fair amount of lean cuts. Also, what projects are in the works? I'm guessing the centrifuge. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, more news soon, right, Stas? Yeah. Uh, my pectinex clarified juices are nice, but massaging the sack is getting old. Massaging the sack never gets old. Never. Uh, also, is there some way to funnel money to you guys more directly? I assume that buying books and other products uh, only result in a relatively low margin, making it your way. Thanks, Chris. Well, Stas and I will definitely think about ways to funnel more money our way. But on your lean cuts problem. I suppose since you're doing lean cuts, you don't want to submerge them in oil, which is a good way to do it, right? Submerge them in oil in a bag and, and, and evacuate all uh, oxygen, and you're going to be good. Or vac pack, or if you do if you pre-slice vac pack or like zippy with like some sort of sauce, and then like freeze them out, then they can thaw really quickly, like inside of like a couple of minutes. What do you think, Paul? You got any good suggestions? Mm, I would just vac as is. Vac as is. It's a yeah. it's a vacuum storage problem in opening and closing. I would pre-portion uh, what you're going to use and then um, and then bag them down and use them during the week rather than open close open close open close open close. And you definitely don't want to reheat unheat reheat unheat. That's going to hose you like right. mega fast. It's like portion by portion kind of a kind of a sitch. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the yeah. egg. But in the long run, use fattier meat. In the long, the long run solution is to use is to use uh, fattier meat. Okay, listen, we're getting we're getting kicked off the air here, but so we're gonna have to grab something. Know. The egg has got the egg's got to rise. Steam's coming out. Rise it. Do I have to do anything to it, Saj? You read the instructions. It's gonna do it on its own. Why isn't it rising? It has been six minutes. Did we not? It has been six minutes. Did we not beat it? You don't have to beat it. It's got here, Paul. Hold this. I'm gonna try the candy cap stuff. Hmm. Should we take a video of this? Another time. Another time. Well, we will discuss the results on next week's cooking issues. Thank you, Paul, for coming. And we'll come back. Wait, I'm just looking at these eggs. Ah, uh, it's not going to make it in time. Come on. It's going to be horrible. We didn't salt it. It's going to be the worst thing in the world. This is, a, this is an enemy of quality. Paul has given me a machine that makes me the enemy of quality, which I appreciate. It has a recipe. I'm sure it does for tubular egg, tu- like tubular egg craps. You can anyway. pre-mix crackers with the eggs. I believe that's one of the recipes. Oh, like, oh, may I? Uh, anyway, all right. They really are kicking us off the air here. But uh, we will give you the results. Thanks, Paul, for our rolly egg machine cooking issues. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.